Welcome to the Hope New Podcast, a podcast for parents of children impacted by disabilities, where we believe there's beauty in the journey and purpose in the pain. Your hosts are Jonathan and Sarah McGuire. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Jonathan. Last month, we had the privilege of interviewing Dr. Tyler Sexton and hearing the amazing story of how God has worked in his life and is using him now. Yes. For those of you who missed it, you'll definitely want to go back and catch that one. We will provide a link to it in the show notes of this episode. We were so impressed with Tyler, his humility and hopefulness that we just had to talk to his mom. That's right. So today we have a privilege of talking to Lisa Sexton, or as Tyler lovingly refers to her, his sweet potato. In this interview, Lisa is very vulnerable about her journey and her struggles. As a parent, I found her experience to be both very encouraging and very relatable. I know you won't want to miss this interview either. So here we go. All right, Lisa, welcome to the Hope A New Podcast. We are so glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here and talk with you and your sweet darling wife. I'm very excited. (laughs) Can you take a moment and introduce us to your family and just share a little bit about your journey in raising a son with disability? As you said, my name is Lisa, and we are married to a wonderful man, Kevin, and we have two children, Tyler and our daughter, Emily. We call her Emma, and Tyler was born at 27 and a half weeks, and the journey has been the most incredible experience of my life and the most heartbreaking at the same time, and such a learning experience that he was born premature, and I had to have an emergency C-section, and they helicoptered him out four hours away. So I wasn't able to see him except through a little tiny, where they, when they transport a baby, they're in like a tube, and um, they helicoptered them out. So I was able to put my hand through a little tiny hole and touch him, and he was gone within 10 minutes. And so my husband and I, I... They wouldn't let me go because I had toxemia and um, a C-section. So I told my husband, please get in the car and drive to Fort Myers. We lived in Clearwater area, Florida at the time. My husband hopped in the car. And, of course, the helicopter got there way in advance. And the doctor called us. And they always talked to the mother. And his exact words to me was, this little boy is very, very sick. And if he doesn't make it through the night, we'll keep the respirator on so that you can hold him before you bury him so that his body stays warm. So there was very little hope. And he was in the hospital for four months. And he got out of the hospital, and we thought we were smooth sailing. And we noticed things that just were not progressing the way that a quote-unquote normal child is. And I hate that normal word. (laughs) There are certain stepping stones that quote-unquote a normal kid does. And um, ours was not doing it. And he couldn't sit up. He couldn't pull himself up. The things, And they kept saying, well, he's preemie, four months. You know, we've got to wait. And eventually they did an MRI. And they found that in his brain that he has cerebral palsy. And I sat there in that doctor's office at Shriners Hospital and was devastated. And it was about an hour away from our home. And I remember driving home and I lost, I had everything planned out that we would 
have in our lives. And by the time I got home, I had him already grown, living with us for the rest of his life, never going to school, me taking care of him, all the things that your mind goes through when you get a diagnosis like that. And God said, you're wrong. But I did not know that at the time. So we were devastated, just devastated. My husband's very athletic. We'd have this boy that my husband's 6'4", he plays basketball, he loves sports, all the things that a lot of guys like to do, and none of that, those things were going to come true. And um, first thing that I did when I got home is I had his room, and back then you stenciled. <laughs> and uh, I had every, you know, sports, football, basketball, all those things. And I went home and started painting his room over again. I already began to mourn the loss of a normal baby. And that's where we began. Wow. Yeah, and what you describe is is heartrending. And yet it is the journey of every special needs family. Mm-hmm. We have to grieve that dream of what we had expected and anticipated and excitedly looked you forward do, to. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, there's no I always felt guilty. Yeah. And I think that's healthy. Just be where it's reality where, you know, they're not what we expected, and yet they're not what God has in store for them. And so, but you can't see that during that time, and it's a dark, dark time, and that's okay. I remember I've never gotten anything negative, really, in all the, you know, when we speak at different churches and women's events and our book and different things, and I got one negative comment one day, and, and I thought, oh my goodness, and it was through an email, and the lady said, well, if I knew I was raising a doctor, I would have joy too. But what we forget, I didn't know I was raising a doctor that would serve and love and take care of children. I didn't know that when he was 18 months, three years old, eight years old, through 17 surgeries. I had no idea that those things would happen and what God had in store. All I knew is that I was his mom. And actually, I was his sweet potato, <laughs> and I, he was going to be my little boy, no matter what, and that I was going to love him. But I didn't know the future. And so I mourned the things that had already happened, that he wasn't what I dreamed of. And I never realized until later that I dreamed too little. I didn't dream big enough, and I didn't dream what God had in store for him. I dreamed my own dreams and how wrong that was, but that was a way for me to heal as well. And so God takes our mistakes and our thoughts and our prayers that are so wrong and you lay them at the cross and he makes something beautiful out of them. And I never realized that until he gave me a little boy like Tyler. Mm. Yeah. And when you're in the middle of it as a mom, you don't know the future, you don't know what it holds, and you don't know what's ahead for this incredibly wonderful, dear, precious child. And so you have to grieve what is lost and what will not be. And yet you Mm -hmm. have to stay with open hands for whatever God is going to do. And That's not necessarily right. the two at the exact same time. It might be a switching <laughs> back and forth between those or a gradual process. Right. Yeah. Because for some kids, you know, of course, 
you know, those moms have kids who won't become a doctor. Exactly. So having to hold with open hands, you know, whatever God's future is, yet some of them will. So not to write it off too soon, you know. Yeah. But God's in our circumstances. It's not our big, you know, like people expect these big miracles, and, and those things can happen. I'm not saying that they can't, but they don't always happen. But day to day, circumstances, situations, all the things, that's where God is, is in our circumstances, in our daily, in our struggles, all those things. And so that's where he shows up. And I missed out on some of that. And if I had a regret, that's one of my biggest regrets that I didn't see the miracles in the circumstances. I didn't see the miracles in those situations. Sometimes I lost out in some of those things. And that's the one thing I will say that little boy taught me from the time that he's been a little guy is don't miss out on the miracles and God's hand in the circumstances and the situations and the day-to-day hard days. Don't miss out on what he has for us to learn. Hmm. Exactly right. Yeah. I remember. And I did that. Yeah. It was somewhere when we were in the worst of it, you know, we kept having all these wishes. I wish we had this. I wish we had that. Or I wish we could be close to family or up in this area. And we had all these things. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until we looked back and said, you know what? If we had all these different things that we were hoping for, then we wouldn't have had all these other resources in place or th- these other things wouldn't have happened that were so uh, crucial to our son's development. And it wasn't until that we were looking back that we are, we saw, you know what? Mm-hmm. It felt like we were alone. And it felt like at times it sort of felt like God had abandoned us, you know. But right. as we looked back, I said, you know what? God was right there and he knew what we needed and he had us in the place that he wanted us to be. And we could see God's. And if I can add this too, I think really what's important is that you had to hold on to each other. Mm-hmm. And when you have people that help you and you have the resources with everything that comes with that, sometimes we pull away and we don't need anybody. We don't, but you guys, you held on to each other. And that's not a normal thing for a family to do when they have a, a child with a disability. They pull away from each other. They're both mourning different things. They they struggle. Women and men are very different. Women struggle with different things. Men do. But when you didn't have all those resources, you didn't have things just handed to you, because you, but you had to cling to each other. And people often ask us, you know, you and your husband have been married forever and you have a beautiful marriage and you've hung on to each other. And how did you do that? And my husband will joke and say, well, we were young and stupid. (laughs) 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 But really and truly, it's true. All we had was to get on our knees together because that's what we had. And so God, sometimes, like you said, you wish that, people were there or you're closer to family or you, but instead you needed to cling to your wife and she needed to cling to you. And God knows those things. We don't realize them at the time, but years later you go, I held your hand through all of this and you've held mine and we're never letting go. And so we joke, you know, young and stupid, old and stupid, but really it's about, I'm just going to walk this walk with you because you knew what I had. And I'm going to hold on to 
where I came from and where how we got here. That's a miracle right there because a lot of dads can just keep on driving. It's not easy with medical bills and all the things. But when you just have each other, you kind of take that hand and go, well, I'm not going to lose the person that understands how much I hurt or loves that little boy like I do. And so you hold on to one another. And I think that is a gift. I never noticed that before. Now I do. But when you're holding on to each other, sometimes you're going, oh, my sake, do you not understand what I'm trying to tell you? Or you're not, (laughs) or all the stresses of life or all the things that you may disagree with. But when you look back and go, wow, I'm so glad we held on to one another. I'm not going to let go of your hand. And you and your wife have that same relationship. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a huge, huge blessing. And uh, It is. And it also... I don't want to go into it too much because I want to get back to some of the big things we want to pull out from your book and our other conversation. But I will say, too, it also involved giving each other the freedom to walk our own path of grief and supporting Uh each other through those times and stuff. It wasn't like we were always on the same page. And I've talked to other couples who have grieved that. They're like, but my husband's here and I'm here and, and they're at different spots. And I said, well, to us, that was a blessing. Because when grief hit hard, one of us was kind of kind of out for the count for a while. And the other one of us would pick up the responsibilities and carry on while the other one took a breather and, and kind of got right. to grieve it. And then, you know, and vice versa. So, yeah, that can be a huge blessing. And it helps you know each other better, I think. Like how, you know, the, what a man grieves for is different than a woman. And, you know, my husband... He was worried, you know, will he ever be able to take care of himself? Will he ever, you know, be able to, you know, the things that you worry about as provider, things like that. And then I'm thinking, will he ever get married? Will he ever have children? You know, will he ever get an education? All those things. So it's all different. We, But we learn how one another thinks. And we also learn how to have empathy for each other. And to say, I never thought of that. You know, I never thought that's what would hurt you. And those are those pains that you were feeling. Yes. Yeah. And it does. It draws you close. You know, you fall fall in love when you're young and you think, wow, he is so darn cute. And I just think (laughs) I I love him so much. And he's just a darling man. And you get a little older and you go, wow, that's integrity, that's honesty, mm-hmm. that's a man that loves his family, that's a man that will provide for his family no matter what, that's a man that's going to love his son whether he's whole or not. You fall in love with somebody and you learn, wow, did God have a hand in this? Because that's my man that loves his family, adores his son no matter what, whether he walks funny or not. And he is going to do what it takes to provide, do what it takes to love him, do what it takes to love his mom and his little sister. And it's a great thing. I think I married him because I just thought he was so darn cute. But now (laughs) (laughs) I'm so thankful that the Lord has much more in store. We will return to our interview in just a moment. But first I want to ask you, who is your tribe? 
Do you have a group that gets it? Does your support group offer masterclasses from qualified professionals that you have access to at any time? Is it a positive, hope-filled, and encouraging group? We want to invite you to the Hope Anew online community. The goal is that together, we are building the most encouraging, real, hope-filled way for parents of children impacted by special needs and disability to engage with a group that gets it. You can have access to the community anywhere that you have your smartphone or computer. It's a private group, not hosted on Facebook, and you will find daily questions, monthly themes, regular master classes that you can access at any time in the resource library, and most importantly, you will have a Christ-centered group that gets it. A laugh together, cry together, pray together community that understands what you're going through without you having to explain a thing. A place where you can be real, be encouraged, and encourage others. You can join by going to hopeanew.com, and we look forward to seeing you there. I do want to circle back to your book. And as we read that, there were several really significant parenting moments that stood out to us. And one of them was when you explained to Tyler how his disability would impact him. And so would you go ahead and share with us that story and some of the background to that? Are you talking about Bert? We are, yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, Tyler came to me. They had us put him in a preschool because they wanted to make sure that he could, you know, do regular school and all those things. And we weren't planning on doing that except for they said back then we just needed to prove that he could, you know, sit in the desk and do his work and all those things. And Tyler's diagnosis is spastic diaplegic, and that means from the trunk down, that's where his disability is. So so when you would sit to talk to him, you'd never know anything was wrong. But when he got up to walk away, you would see his legs just are very different. He walks very differently, and you can tell that there's a severe disability. And Tyler came home one day from school, and when we speak, it's funny. People, Tyler always says, now, when I tell this story, please don't think my mom's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But um, he came home and he said, I don't walk like the other kids, Mama, or Sweets, and I I just want to know. Tyler called me Mom. He always called me Sweets. That came from being, we laid in a hospital bed, and he was in the hospital one time for about 43 days. And we would lay in bed at night, and I would put him to sleep, and I would say, you're the apple of my eye. And he'd say, oh, you're my little pumpkin. Or, and then I would say something else, and I don't know why it was always food. And he said to me one day at night, he said, you're my little sweet potato. And I don't eat sweet potatoes. I don't like them. I have no idea where he got it. But it sucks. And the older he got, he would shorten it and call me sweet. And so my grandchildren call me sweetie. So that's where that came from. So he came home one day and he said, sweet, why are my legs not like all the other kids? And I said, well, why don't you take a nap and we'll talk about it when you wake up. And Tyler, many kids with CP are very, very, they have everything just so, so that they can kind of be in control of their own little world. And so he would sit up and have all these Sesame Street characters. And when he would be in the surgeries and stuff, people would want to bring him a little something. And so I said, just, they're $1.99. Just pick him up a Bernie, Ernie, Bert, 
big bird, just that's all he needs, just one little choice. Just don't bring a lot because you need to watch that one to have a child that has that many surgeries and he gets that much. And so people would just bring him these little rubber characters and they were about two inches high and they he would sit them on the hearth at the fireplace and he would line them all up perfectly. And I did not know how to explain to a four and a half year old what was wrong with his legs and how he would handle it. And so I put him down for his nap. He went to preschool from 8 a.m. to noon, and he laid down after lunch. And I was cutting chicken up, I'll never forget, in my kitchen, and um, getting prepping for dinner. And I looked over at the hearth, and I went over, and I got birds. And I cut his arms off with a butcher knife. <laughs> and my son, when he tells the story, he always says, please don't think she's nuts. <laughs> and I was probably a little crazy that day. I cut his arms off with a butcher knife and I set him up by Ernie. And when Tyler got up from his nap, I knew he'd notice immediately because he was very detailed. He's always been that way. And he would combat crawl. So his little body would kind of sway behind him. And he'd use his little elbows when he didn't have his braces on, when he didn't use his walker at home. So he came around the corner and here he comes in his full swaggle. And his little body's just trailing behind his little elbows, pulling him. And he talked very Dutchy then. And he went, oh, my wood, what happened to Bert? And I said, Bert's different. He was in an accident when you were asleep. And he's going to be called handicapped to the world. But that doesn't mean that he can't be Ernie's best friend and can't be part of the gang and Big Bird and Cookie Monster and all that. He's going to be different. He's going to be special. And he's going to have some hard times in life, but he'll adapt and he'll have people around him. And he said, just like my legs. And I said, just like your legs, you have cerebral palsy. And I began to explain to him. And that's all it took in his little mind. That's all that it took. And how God gives you those things in your life, I don't know. I'm not a poet. I'm not a writer, even though we wrote the book. I'm not a perfect mom or anything but you look up at certain things sometimes and god just says this is all he can do right now this is all he can understand right now and so this is how i explained to him that he had a disability and he understood it and we really honestly throughout his life we talked about cerebral palsy it wasn't a bad thing matter of fact after one of his surgeries he was laying in the recliner and he was casted all the way up both legs all the way up to his thighs and he could not move and he said please will you get me something to drink and I said is there something wrong with your legs and he said yes I have cerebral palsy (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was great because we never made it be a bad thing it was like yeah I had cerebral cerebral palsy and I just had surgery and it was like well that's a good excuse I'll get you something (laughs) and we made it fun we didn't make it a horrible thing we made it a thing where it was okay to talk about it was okay to be that way yeah i love that and i love as i was reading through the book and as i hear you tell it i'm visualizing myself in that situation and i realized that uh how about you go to bed right now and, and we'll talk about it later is, is at least my my mind that's code for i need about a half hour to hour here to think about this and figure out what in the world i'm gonna tell them and so i just love how yeah. you did that and this wasn't something that you know 
wasn't necessarily pre-planned, but God gave you exactly the perfect illustration and uh, know how to communicate that to him. And just then on throughout the book, different examples that give just this, this love, but at times it was even a, a tough love, you know, but uh, how you are just open and how you, how you guys are able to talk about it with each other. And it, it's, yeah, that was, I loved that illustration throughout the book. Don't you think oh, God is like that with us? There's certain things that, you know, we'll never know in our lives because we can't handle it. We can't handle how awesome heaven's going to be. And we can't also handle maybe what next year's going to bring. Look at this year with COVID and all the things that everybody has dealt with. So God gives us those little things in our lives, just like cutting off first arms. It sounds weird, but isn't that how the Lord is with us so many times where he gives us little pieces at a time because our little minds and our hearts and our desires and the things that we think are important, we can't handle all that he has in store for us. We don't know how awesome he really is. We can praise him. We can serve him. We can worship him. We can love him with all of our heart, soul, and our mind. But we cannot understand everything. And the thing that I love the most about Jesus is I may not understand everything and I may not know what tomorrow brings, but the one thing that I do know is I trust him. I know that I know that I know that he is worthy of that trust and that praise and all the things I have unanswered. I don't know why. I was blessed with a little boy with cerebral palsy or why you were blessed with your son. But I do know this. I trust his heart with all of my heart. And that, I think, those little snippets that God gives us is what we give our kids. It's that same thing. He's our father. And it's that same thing where in an hour after we're in his word or we're praying, just like I needed to cook dinner and chop off chicken and get that idea in my head of praying, God, how do I explain this? Many times it's like us in his word. God, what are you trying to tell me? What do you, and I only get a little bit sometimes. Sometimes I get a lot, but it's enough because he gives me what I need for that time. Does that make sense? Perfectly. I just love how your illustration there, it's so individual to every child and like every mom and what they need to tell their child and work with their child is going to be different. And of course that's how God is with us. And so like, there's no one right answer for every mom to use, but God knows the right answer for every child. And so as long as that mom stays connected to God, you know, that's where the answers come from. Yeah, it is. And you know, it's funny when he wanted to go to med school, I thought, oh, for heaven's sakes, you've lived in the hospital. Why would you, I mean, you could be, why would you want to do this? But he did, and he knew that he knew that he knew. There was no trying to, you know how we kind of like to try to work the path a little bit. <laughs> There's no going off that path. And um, I said to him, will you make me a promise? Will you carry Bert in your coat? 
you know, most doctors wear a lab coat or a, or a, um, you know, a jacket. And I said, would you carry him in your pocket? And when parents aren't sure what to do or what to say to their child, will you pull up, Bert, and will you tell that story and say, he had a purpose for me, he had a plan, I was different, and tell that story. And he said, I promise you, I will do that. And to this day, he still carries Bert in his pocket. We are going to pause our interview with Lisa here. Our conversation with Lisa was so wonderful that we didn't want to edit it down too much, but decided to split it into two episodes so you can hear the whole thing. It was such a great conversation, and we know you won't want to miss the rest of her story. So come back next month and be encouraged by what Lisa has to share with us.